Counter Press Podcast. I am your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me again, as always, is Josh Cotro. Josh, how you doing, man? I mean, after today, it was you know always a good good day to take part in the Phil Neville farewell tour because <laughs> I mean the way that that one went looked like his entire team was trying to get that guy sent back to England because it did not look good. I mean, I don't know. Like in his comments after the game were a bit wild, basically saying like, you know, um, other teams' quality players have quality moments and our quality players don't have quality moments. It's basically <laughs> what he's, he's like, I think what he said. Yeah. And I was like, mm. like this wasn't a game where our best players like showed out, right? Like no, Opoku no. scored a goal and then Tishuri Shradi got a, goal yeah. off of a set piece at in the you know at the end i mean there, i guess but... i guess you can consider like brian rodriguez did have a big impact and ended up um being dog so tackled by breck shea right yeah so i mean i guess in that sense you know, your your quality players do have an impact yeah but i mean um, it's not like we played this was not the best game i've ever seen lafc play right no, this was no, not very much shot. like given given the time of the game the conditions all these different factors you know like the travel across country like the I was never expecting to see a good game, right? This is the typical like NFL, you know, West Coast team heads to the East and gets, you know, and then yeah. for the first half it just looks miserable because it, you're you're just off rhythm, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. And it, but you know, to be fair, in this game, it's not like Miami really gave them anything they need to get in rhythm for. Yeah, I mean they're they're not a good team, and uh, given the conditions, especially it's almost hard to come in here and analyze anything that we saw because it's just the ball was all over the place. The conditions are terrible. Um, so there's, it, you have to, again, even though we love you and I drawing conclusions on what we see, especially after a handful of games, it's tough to do that when one of those games is like this one. So, um, yeah, LAFC get, get the, get the win two nil, Opoku scores a great goal off uh, kind of a fluky deflection from from Carlos Vela, but does an excellent job um, with it once he's behind the defense. Great left-footed finish. Um, Josh, I, you, I mean, I know that I have been, I wouldn't say hard on Opoku. I've been doubtful about what he can bring. The more that I watch him, the more I just think this kid is so fast that it almost doesn't matter if he brings nothing else. Like his speed is, is so elite that I almost don't care if he doesn't have all the same technical quality that I would demand of another player. Yeah. And I, and the interesting thing was, it's like, I think when he first came up, I had seen him more as like a Latif guy, right? Like he's a kind of a shorter, shorter frame, those types of things. I was like, okay, maybe. And, because again, at the times that he had played, you know, maybe like in CCL and some of these games, he, it's not like really he really had an opportunity to get in behind, right? And the style mm-hmm. at which we play doesn't really ever really call for anyone to get yeah. in behind in that same way, right? Um, because typically, right, it's it's that slow possession style buildup through the midfield, right? And then you know, so it's more about precision and timing versus you know versus making this like vertical stretching run. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, again, maybe it was just a matter of we, we just have never seen him in a system that allowed him to really stretch, to really stretch defenses in the way that he's able to now, where, you know, it seems like what 
what we're doing, you know, playing as direct as, you know, a little bit more direct this year, you know, like this is really direct, right? Like remember we had talked about with Vince, I think it was last season, you know, talk, or maybe it was Joe Lowry um, who we're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, like me, you know, LA please, please playing a little bit more direct. And we didn't necessarily see that nearly, you know, too much, right? We kind of saw the same yeah. style. It was just, you didn't have the horses. They were, yeah. Once, once they were, once the ball was on the feet of the eights, then it was direct. Yes. Right? And it was, there was no, there was nothing else. Once Latif or Kay or Sifu have the ball, it's straight to goal, no mm-hmm. matter where we are in the field. And that's what you and I were so frustrated with last year. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Whereas now, right. You'll see that, you know, the, those center backs hitting those long diagonals towards the outside, you know, it's like, it's it, that I think we've stayed away from, from talking about that, you know, hitting those, those, those diagonals to, to the eights because we dis, have such a disdain for Greg Burhalter and that style mm-hmm. um, that mm-hmm. it kind of, it, I feel like it, when you, when you see it done, you just don't see it done well in the, in the context that we had previously seen it right in with, with yeah. the new national team versus, you know, you look at the teams that do it, regularly whether it be liverpool whether it be Bayern munich some of these teams where you know you have these ball playing center backs that will find the feet of either the wingers or the eights who now then you make that you know those those or just hit a direct long ball over the top you know and then let someone get on the get on the end of it one yeah yeah Yeah. which again like it just wasn't part of our pattern to play last year right and i think with a poku this year like really like you say it just bothers people Right, think, and it just gives us one more dimension by which we can attack. Which, also, given that, given his, given his emergence there as a reliable, fairly reliable option, right? Like, I still prefer maybe you know, like an Arango, you know, you know, Arango, Vela, and Rodriguez. You know, front three is probably still our best lineup. It gives you a viable option that I don't think we thought we had. You know, in the you know entering into the season, you know, and so now when you look at where you where you go with that DP, right? And now I think it probably goes back towards what we had been calling for for previously, which is that like more all around eight, right? Comparatively yeah. to I think yeah. some people, I think okay, you know, we don't have Diego Rossi to you know to make those back those fast back post runs or those different things, and you know, again, you know, again, Opoku is definitely not Diego Rossi, but I mean, there's something there. You know, I, I think he plays. I think he plays faster than Rossi. Um, I would be willing to bet a substantial amount of money that uh, if you if you measure their sprint times, that Apoku is is faster than Rossi. Even if, like you said, he's not the polished finisher or or passer that that Rossi became. Um, but I mean, even Rossi was robbed when he when he first arrived. You and I, in our first year with the podcast, used to complain about his finishing all the time. There was that it was pretty inconsistent. That was before his golden boot year, but yeah. Um, the other guy that I thought was really fast today, and it was mostly because of who I saw him running away from uh, frequently was Brian Rodriguez, who was matched up against Deandre Yedlin on the, on the, on the left wing. And Yedlin was always known as kind of this direct speedster up and down the flanks. Um, and he could not keep pace with Rodriguez at all. The, I mean, you know, the few times where you see them actually in a sprint, you know, running for a ball or something, Rodriguez always had it covered. Um, 
so that was interesting for me to see like, man, that guy, he really is pretty fast. And obviously Bryce Shea felt that as well. Yeah. I mean, I think again, we're just based on the, the style, which we play, right. He just gives these guys, you know, a chance to show off some skills and talents that we just hadn't seen. Right. I mean, I can, I think we saw it a little bit in the MLS's back tournament when, when LAFC was kind of playing out of like a weird four four two diamond with with Rodriguez yeah. and yeah, a lot of and, that was Sifu at right? the nine a lot even. Well, yeah, but it was more like Rodriguez and and Rossi were able to just you know they, they were kind of just sitting back and countering right, and then they were hitting these yeah. the more direct you know maybe that's where that that notion of them playing a lot more direct came from. But you know I think that was probably the time at which we saw it the most right was during that that tournament and to. Yeah to a pretty decent clip and, yeah. and with good success, um, you know, just again, given you give Rodriguez a little less time to think and just make him more reactive as opposed to, mm-hmm. you know, at the times I think he's the most frustrating is when he takes one, you know, probably an extra touch and instead of making an extra pass, um, yeah. you know, when he's cutting inside. And so, Again, you know, like you said, maybe you speed up, you speed up that decision making where it's like one touch and then you got to make a decision in a hurry. Right. And Tranola had talked about it. Right, That's the one thing that he wanted. He wanted to bring stylistically that he, from from his standpoint, right, from his philosophy was to be more dangerous in transition and to look for those moments where they can get out, you know, and run a little bit more as opposed to, like I said, that slow methodical buildup that we had become accustomed to. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> it, again, like I said, it's hard to it's hard to really talk about anything. I thought Tajiri Shradi looked good when he came in. Obviously, he he bags a goal in this one. Um, Left footed free kick from pretty far outside the box should not have gone in. Uh, I imagine under normal conditions, it's it's not just going to bounce <laughs> like right at the six and then bounce into the side netting on the opposite side of the goal. But I mean, like we said, like we've said plenty of times before, there's something to be said about just putting the ball in the mixer or in a dangerous area and seeing what happens. Uh, Rodriguez almost had a foot on it. It looks like Janelle almost had a head on it as well. So could have been finished off a couple different ways. Um, but it was good to see him there because I think it, it sets me at ease a little bit with, the depth at forward. Um, if we are deciding between Rodriguez, Vela, Chicho, Opoku, and Tajiri Shradi, then, you know, we're probably not going to see, we're not going to be seeing 30 minutes every single game from Danny Musovsky, which is great. Like that's, that's what you want. That's perfect. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, given, given what Musovsky does well, Right, your goal was basically to have to bring him on in the last ten to fifteen minutes to get on, you know, to try to get on the end of one or first of his hold yeah. up play, yeah. you know, when you're chasing a goal. Um, but you know, kind of like what he did right against Portland, right? He's like just a big, a, he's a a body who runs hard and will play physical and do those different things. But it, again, when you're when it comes to that skill, when it comes to okay, what's where? How do we limit the drop off? from what we start with to what we finish with, you know, this is probably it, right? Like when you see where, what they start with versus what we finish with, you know, like you didn't feel that in the impact of Vela coming off, right? For, you know, like at this point for 
probably for you know just a minutes restriction. They came up with yeah. sixty or seventy. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no real reason for him to go ninety if you're up a goal already. Um, with the game well in control, with them being down a man, right? So mm-hmm. at that point, right when you kind of see where he, you know, where where Tajiri Shardy fits in, um, yeah, and it just gives you so much flexibility in the style which you can play, right? Because he can play what they said, what basically in either on either wing as well as a number mm-hmm. 10 as well, if you want to go that direction. And so, yeah, I mean, given that, right. And the, the weird thing is our, while our midfield is fairly solid, right. That's now become the part where you're like, okay, we could actually add depth piece there now easily. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't, I mean, you know, my feelings, everybody knows my feelings. I, I don't even want a depth piece go get me a starting caliber or a DP midfielder in the summer and really push those three, those three being Sifu Acosta and, and Ilya to, to really maintain their spot. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, I think the guy that you and that'll end up being left out is Sifu, but um, that's fine. Like that's, that's what you do. I mean, and again, what, what you have, the way you have to look at it is like, it's, 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 it's about raising your game. Right. And that's a, kind of the weird mm-hmm. conversation and, and the or weird discussion that kind of surrounded um, Mark Anthony K, where it's like, okay, like he's been good for us, yeah, right, yeah. at many times here, but what's wrong with asking for more, right? And right. if you can't bring right. it, right, if if this if your ceiling is what he was able to get, great, but that ceiling doesn't get us the MLS Cup, right? The ceiling yeah. doesn't push us further towards our goals than it did before. Um, you know, and again, and you kind of see, like I said, while while he's a he's a everyday MLS starter for every team in this league, mm-hmm. right? Like I don't, I, there's not much doubt that K would walk into most most starting lineups in the league, with the exception yeah. of what maybe Seattle. I don't know, man. Seattle's midfield. Did you watch their game today? No, yeah, but it. But they're, Granted, they're taking they're taking today off. But yeah. man, they are. That was a struggle fest today, for sure. But I mean, again, when you when you but you you don't have Ladero, you don't have Rui Diaz. So again, yeah, I feel like there yeah. there is a there is a matter there where you're trying to gel it all together. That mm-hmm. that's going to take some time. But like Seattle always starts slow, right? When Seattle yeah, starts yeah. slow, they win the MLS Cup. Is basically what mm-hmm. the rule well, of thumb is. Dismantled whoever what who they played Leon yeah. earlier in the week. So yeah. you know, and so that it's it's one of those things where it's like again went back to LAFC when you think about how we build this roster, right? It's like, no, like it's as much as we would like, we like to get sentimental about some of these players, right? Like we love everything Latif gives to this team and the Hardy brings all different things, but yeah, Latif, you know, like players will come and go to the club, right? The club is, is, is what we look to follow and how, how they transition from year to year. And those things is, you know, again, none of it is personal, but it's, it's just yeah, business, yeah. right? In I mean, way. they already upgraded over Latif. I, I think that's a great example, right? They they brought in Sifu and Acosta, and you know now Latif is coming off the bench. Um, yeah. You know, again, so, and and as a as an individual, right for Latif, right? It's he has that option now to walk away and look for an opportunity where he's going to play more and start more and maybe get paid more, yeah. right? Yeah. And the same thing happened to Kay, right? But I'd be hard pressed. I. It, to find someone who's going to argue with me that K was is better than what we have now, right? In terms of what he, you yeah. know, like in, yeah. in terms of what the team needed given the situation as well. Now, again, 
I wonder now seeing the results that we're getting under um, under Trundlo, how much of it is is Bob Bob's rigidness to to the system, right? That yeah, that yeah. that just required them, but you know maybe to play a specific way um, at all costs, because again today right where where is it you know towards the end of that game right in the day that we we probably could have pushed our fullbacks super high up and get forward and do all these things right mm-hmm. we saw them pinch in and, and get stuck in and really kill the game off right like yeah. in a way that yeah. you know we've you know it's like when we beat team seven nothing right pushing high and everything is great right but when you play against a team like portland or one of these teams that you know aren't going to come yeah. out and they i can't you know, I'm okay with it, especially, you know, like, you know, when you're trying to get results, like, you know, like the, the, this game was one where, you know, a year, a year ago, are you confident that we walk away with three? Right. Or is it one, I mean, Miami's maybe just that bad. Yeah. You know, like, no, I'm not, I mean, I, not at all. Right. Especially last year. I mean, last year was, that was like our special, I think we dropped, um, 12 total points mm-hmm. from from a winning position. Right. So it's a difference between That's absurd. fourth place in the West and and out of the playoffs. Right. Yeah. From that alone. Right. And you're probably and if you drop half of that, right? Like if you if you take points in half of those situations or take the the more points in those situations in half of those situations, you're in the playoffs no problem. Right. Yeah. So yeah. again, this is where, you know, like I said, to see you know, Chorindolo come in and, and look for these opportunities where again, it, it is, it is very German in the approach, right? Like mm-hmm. we talk about the styles that have developed all over Europe and all over the world in terms of how we approach the game, right? Where you have, you know, that, that Dutch attacking system, the total, you know, of Johan Cruyff, mm-hmm. the total football, those different things, or the Spanish tiki taka, which is, you know, some, some, a bit of it is a little bit of an out, outgrowth of what Cruyff brought to, you know, yeah, this I mean, game. I would say it's like the two, the level 2.0, right. Of total football. Yeah. yeah. Right. Or, or you have like the, right. The, the English, the English beat each other up in, 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 and Barnsley ball and whatever the heck you have now in the championship. Right. Like there, there are all those different styles, but then the ones that are truly transcendent are the ones that aren't necessarily married to a particular philosophy in the modern game. It's the yeah. ones that can take from those inspirations and put it all together. Right. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. The fact that Pep can switch from a, you know, like, yeah, he's a preferred, he's a four three three guy, right, through and through. Mm-hmm. But I just saw a video that popped up in my YouTube feed talking about he's re revolutionizing the four four two. Four two. I'm yeah. like, okay, well, you know, like, if if the guys that we assume are the most dedicated to to this uh, this style are are willing to do it, what the heck is Bob doing in the MLS? Yeah, well, I mean that that goes back to our conversation though about principles versus tactics, right? Mm-hmm. So Pep has these principles. You know, we want to keep the ball at the at the most general level, right? But he has principles about how he wants to build. He want he has principles about you know only having two players in each vertical section of the field. How what zones are you trying to move the ball to, and from what zones are you trying to move it there? You know. So it's it's just a matter of, okay, now when I look at my roster and I realize that I don't have the same people that I did 
at Bayern or, or Barca, then we're going to adapt it, you know, or even year, year to year at Man City. So it's adapting the tactics to still fit those same principles just to make sure that everybody's in the best position to succeed. Um, and that's, that's the mark of a good coach, right? Yeah. But the question um, is, did, did where LAFC went wrong previous, what was it, was it too much of a marriage between tactics and philosophy? Or was it just a matter of him trying to fit square pegs into a round hole? To me, it's square pegs and round holes. I mean, he, I mean, look at his, so his midfield, right? Again, in 2019, the midfield tore through the league. Yeah. And he had two converted wingers that he picked up off the MLS scrap pile in Latif Blessing and Mark Anthony Kay and turned into something special, right? Pacey midfielders that could press like nobody had ever seen from those positions in the league and then create kind of on the fly well enough to make sure that Rossi and, and Vela got on the end of a lot of goals. Yeah. And then what happens? The league realizes what's going on and they just close off all those outlet passes as soon as they turn the ball over and Latif and Mark Anthony K are done like that. They can't play that way anymore. Um, and then they can't, they can't, as we talked about a ton, they, they weren't capable of creating. So, and then, I mean, how many times did he go to the three, five, two last year? And he's got deputizing, I mean, Tristan Blackman at right center back and Marco Farfan at left center back. Or even Palacios at left center back at times. Right? Yeah, and we're just supposed to think this is okay, right? So to me, yeah, it's absolutely square pegs and round holes where he's saying this is the way we're this is the way we're doing it. Doesn't matter who's available to me, we're never changing anything. Yeah, I mean that's bonkers. Yeah, me. which is interesting because again, you think when you think about Jurgen Klopp, right, and what style he's most known for, right? It's it's the um Heavy metal football, right? Heavy the gig, football. the gig, the gig and press, all these different yep. things, right? Yeah, I watch a lot of Liverpool, right? Much to the disdain of a lot of our listeners on this podcast, mm-hmm. I can't tell you the last time I've actually seen those guys press that hard, right? No, it's, I mean he's he's been open about this for the last three or four years. Like mm-hmm. I'm getting away from that, right? Right? Because because the everyone is starting to adjust to what they were doing, right? And yeah. so yeah, does he does he turn it on for? certain certain parts of the game or actually turns it on a lot against against Manchester City because Manchester City is actually willing to play out right yeah, so yeah. you can force a team like City into some of those things because they're willing to take more risks mm-hmm. in a way that you know 75% of the Premier League Premier League is not going to do right yeah, especially yeah. when you had guys like Mourinho and and Conte you know on on the other side of the pitch right who are you know are known pragmatists Right, yeah. and so it's interesting now to see, again, the Thorington kind of say, "Okay, this this is our principle, right? Like we came in with an with an with a, a set of principles by which we built this team and how we're going to go about it." Mm-hmm. And then now you have Trenlo given that license to be able to say, "Okay, we're going to adjust our tactics accordingly based on the situation of the game, while yeah. still maintaining those same principles." And again. Is it is it as pretty at times? No, but you know, I saw Kim Moon Wan defend today, which I didn't see ever <laughs> in the last in the last year. Right? Like I th- already fixed it. Yeah, I thought I was. I thought I was. <laughs> yeah, I, there's a time. There's a couple times where I had to like take a step back and think, okay, am I am I being too harsh on the guy? But yeah. when you see what he did today, right, and just 
having a better understanding of when to push and all those different things. And you see the stability that, you know, that Hollingshead brings, you know, from, just from veteran experience, right? And it was the same things we saw from Beta Shore, same things we saw from Harvey, where it's like, yeah. you know, yeah. like maybe because we had it fully, fully embraced, you know, Bob hadn't had enough time to fully try and get into this particular tactical model or, you know, or this thing that he was trying to do. Um, that it wasn't, you know, we were able to kind of play a little bit more, you know, pragmatic, but man, like I said, to see it, to see it in practice, especially in a game like that, where we can, you know, so we can go up a goal, right. And, and then now never just give them any opportunities after that, right. Is, yeah. is, is good to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I know, I know we've kind of talked about this a lot in the past few episodes, trying to, compare what we've seen from Terundolo and Bob last year. But I mean, it's, it's important to, you know, as we get more information and we'll continue to get more over the next few weeks here on how they look to play. Um, it's important to, to look at that stuff so that we can try and get a handle on it. And everybody understands what we're trying to do every time we go out and play. Um, let's see. LAFC has Vancouver this week at home next Sunday. So another good opportunity, and especially at home, I, this would have been a good opportunity had the weather been better, um, to like actually show and be the without a question dominant team. So I'm excited that the next game is Vancouver because you know it should be a good opportunity for them to do exactly what they want, and for us to take a lot of notes on what it is that they're trying to accomplish. Um, Josh, anything else you wanted to get to before we? Go to listener questions here. No, and I think one more point on just kind of like the, the tactical flexibility, right? Like, for example, I think the biggest example that we've seen in terms of how that came back to bite us is like the Galaxy games, right? Yeah. Where where they were set up to just basically form a wall so that those the those aids could not thread the needle there, right? And it mm-hmm. took special moments from special players to change to change that to change that narrative yeah. in that playoff game. Right. Um, the funny thing is when you watch the way that the galaxy are playing right now is the complete opposite, right? They're so yeah. wide open on the attack, which is, you know, like they're scoring goals, whatever, but so they, they, they are scary. I will say that they are, uh, they're a problem and people, people better be ready for that because they are a problem this year. They can create from anywhere on the field, mm-hmm. from the midfield, from the fullbacks, from the forwards. And then you have, guys like Chicharito and Douglas Costa who are there ready to, yeah. to clean up. Now, so. again, like, it, so this is a game that, right, so when those, when LAC would match up with them, right, is a game that you would expect to finish 6-5, right, given, given, yeah. given yeah. the way that right. the team, both teams played. Honestly, right, this, this, this is a matchup that I, I actually like, right, in terms of the way yeah, that we're yeah. playing now and then given the firepower that we still have, I, I like our odds. So I mean, again, I know we're getting off track there and kind of looking towards the future probably a little bit too much, but you know, it's 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 one of those things where again, given the given for this particular game, there's not a whole lot to analyze and to diagnose. Yeah. Right, we can kind of look at the way that we're playing and say, okay, hey, based on based on this, let's try and 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 kind of project what what it'll look like. And like I said, and, and that pragmatic nature, I think. The, or just a little bit more pragmatism, I think, will play well, 
while still having the firepower to hurt people on the other yeah. side. Yeah. All right, so let's get into these. Vincent Valentin at Viva Photos. Last two games, I have seen a lot of underhead passes. This game, it was kind of understandable with the win, but haven't seen much of that team that showed up in match day one. That's fair. Arango should start if healthy. Vela, Rodriguez, and Apoku all looked rough. Uh, we talked about the underhead passes last week, um, especially in relation to that clip that I shared where Latif Blessing just you know passes the slow-moving ball after he kind of slowly dribbles through pressure through non-pressure, I should say, and ends up turning the ball over as a result. I do think there's something that they're trying to do where they, they you know, they play the ball behind the attacker, meaning like, uh, you know, not not out in front of them, not over the top of them. Uh, I do think they are trying to find their feet a little bit off of the defense. Um and it's not, it's, you know, it doesn't always work. I, I don't know if the, we need better movement from the forwards, better passing from the midfield, not sure. But uh, anything else you want to tackle here, Josh? Yeah, I think given the way, obviously, like given the, the forwards we have, right, you have two wingers that are comfortable on the ball. Um, I can see why they want to do it, right? It's get it, yeah. in buildup, yeah. right? It's get the ball to their feet, let them cut inside, right? While the midfield provides a ton of stability. Right. Yeah, Rodriguez and Rodriguez and Vela are going to be fantastic at kind of creating on their own. You mm-hmm. don't necessarily have to spring them on a run. They can they can do that on their own. Yeah. Or like you said, kick it back into the midfield once they're most have drawn enough pressure. And so I think that's probably where it, it's just going to take some time to kind of switch off the uh, switch off. You know, like I said, where I think previously like they're you know because of the possessions that we're playing. Our our wingers are dropping so deep into the midfield, and we we talked about yeah. how problematic that was at him because it just compresses the field mm-hmm. a lot more. Whereas this, you know, the way that we're playing, right? It's you'll they make it's it's basically just an angled pass, right? They they're trying to hit that, you know, it's it's about half the distance of what we probably that of what K was probably trying to hit, right? But again, I yeah, think it, everything was everything was supposed to be through. Right? Yeah. Right. Every, versus, every pass is a through ball versus yeah. this one. Right. We're expecting, you know, it, your your goal is to isolate the fullback on our guy with our yeah. a fullback on our winger so that they can make the turn and then make mm-hmm. the play. Right. So I think it's I think it's just I think Toronto talked about today. Right. It's like we won, but we still got a lot of work to do. And that's my guess is it's probably just working on some of those on some of those principles. But Honestly, when you think about what Vela gives you, what Vela's best at, right, in terms of how he plays, that's probably the best way to to, to see him effective. Because the problem yeah. is, he's, you know, you talked about it previous, you know, in the first game, right? It's like he's he's a guy that, um, right, that doesn't he doesn't have the pace to really separate, right? He's not gonna make a a, a run that beats anyone, right? So why not get him, you know, but what he does really well is ride, ride off tackles. It's ride, yeah. ride the physicality um, and go from there. Yeah. Draw another center back over to pressure with the fullback and then dish it from there. Uh, that's, you know, or go to goal if they don't send over that help. Justin 33W. The game was so bizarre. I will not hold judgment on anyone after the heat, rain and wind. Can we talk about the broadcast between the cameras cutting off terrible exposure settings and weak commentary? The game was borderline unwatchable. 
I did notice the exposure was just really rough. Uh, I, I think it has something to do with the white seats, like all the white seats in that stadium. And no one there. Like they said the stadium was about 11,000 yeah. is the... Is the yeah. uh, it's basically like the traveling supporter section <laughs> is all you saw. So, um, but yeah, and I I was watching in Spanish, so I, I I did see a lot of comments about the English commentary just being awful. But surprise, surprise, MLS quality broadcasts. Yeah, I watch with the sound off, so yeah, like just yeah. solves that problem there. Tom Camilleri at BroncoFan07. It was 10.30 a.m. game. It was 88 degrees and near gale force wind, and they didn't know if they'd have uh, if they have to cry uncle, Ted uncle, that is. So LAFC picked the right formula. Get in, get the win, get out. It's only been three games, but so far I think the biggest improvement over the last season has been discipline. And uh, in an elements game like this, you have to be patient, wait for a lucky bounce or two, and not do anything dumb, and that's exactly what LAFC did. Yeah, I I like this take a lot, you know, where you're on the road and the weather's terrible. Um, yeah, you do have to be a little bit cautious to make sure you're not the one get, that gives up the fluky goal. And I mean, so far in these three games, that's all LAFC's conceded, right? One kind of fluky goal from a fantastic finish from uh, Jimmy Chara that I don't think he meant to place it that well, um, but he did. So... You know, that's it. I, I I would say they're getting the job done from a discipline standpoint. Yeah, I mean, again, and and that that's and that was us playing a little bit into Portland, Portland's mo, right? And yeah, you know, they're the guys are probably a little bit overhyped in those things. But I mean, again, I I honestly, like I said, this we've always called for you know a fraction more pragmatism. In, yeah. in the approach, yeah. and you know, we're getting a heavy dose of it at the moment. Yep. Okay, Rick at Yoyo Torre 66, bend it like Miami. I think this is in reference to both David Beckham and Tajuri Shradi's free kick. Yeah, um, I mean, to be fair, Miami hasn't bent, they've just broken at this point. Yeah, they're they are they are a disaster. But uh, the funny thing is, I think it's largely because of the meddling of the owners. Because they were talking about yeah, how their yeah. pre- their previous GM was trying to bring in that the the number ten from Austin, who was just like killing that killed them last week. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. supposed to be their their DP, and then that and but then they ended up signing Matuidi, yeah, because yeah. of what the owners wanted to do, and it's just caused problem after problem after because problem. Because Juve, right? That's yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, 800 meters and running at Tetlo. Never going to complain about three points. Really sloppy performance, but hard to take much from the game with the with the early kickoff and weather. A common theme today. Nice to see Opoku taking his opportunity with both hands. Um, man, come on, man. Hands? There's no hands here. Unsurprisingly, Miami look like they belong in USL. So, yeah, we talked about the great finish from Opoku and how bad Miami has been. But like he says here, if you've got if you get the three points, especially on the road, like that's that's your job. Do your job. That's it, right? All right. Uh, at Danniness, happy with Crapo, happy with another clean sheet. He feels like a DP for me. Then he's got a video of Crapo doing the LAFC chant and like supporting or you know hanging out with the supporters that were there at the field. Josh, thoughts on him? I mean, he's probably shot up the list of everyone's favorite player now. 
Yeah. Just, yeah. you know, again, I think part of it was we, we've we had a thirst for a goalkeeper that was competent for so long. Mm-hmm. So that, that, mm-hmm. that obviously plays into it. But, I mean, the guy just lives it. Right. And from a, yeah, you can tell it means a lot to him, mm-hmm. the support. And from a culture standpoint, from a fan standpoint, right? Like you just, again, I think we were, we were spoiled in LA to have a guy like Kobe Bryant who you never, that you always felt cared. Right. Yeah. Sometimes to yeah. extremes. Right. I'm like, right. Right. But you, you never felt like you were going to get cheated of effort and those different things. Right. Yeah. And so, that's kind of what the vibe you get, right? It's like yeah. he's he's just in it. He lives it. He has that he has that feel to it. To be fair, I think that the team kind of has that vibe to it this year, right? Like, like I said, like a year a year ago, you know, Vela comes off at halftime. You don't see him back on the on the bench, right? Yeah. Versus, you know, I think there was a, there was a point in that last game where I think Rodriguez fizz went fizz went across the face of goal or maybe it was the one where up and yeah, yeah and he's mm-hmm. he's up you know getting excited so again I, you know i think the the man management of steve Toronto can't be discounted um you know obviously i think it helps when you're getting results right so yeah. you know yeah. like i said it versus if you're you know the the ted lasso or whatever that the come you know the thing is when if you're if you're that that happy but you're still losing the you know, their questions need to be asked. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think you know, we've talked about this before too, the idea that um, Bob is going to demand results from you and he gets them a lot. But the minute something goes wrong like that, you have a lot of guys that just check out and are done. And I mean, this is something that you see with even uh, Bielsa, right? Where what he does works for a while and then injuries start to happen or guys lose their legs halfway, you know, halfway through the season or so. And, uh, and it becomes really hard to keep up with what he's doing. And then he ends up leaving and leaving Jesse, Jesse Marsh with, and just, (laughs) uh, Jesse should not have taken that job, man. He just should not, he should have waited. Um, all right. Next one. I really like this question, Josh. From Lionel Hutz at From Cheap Seat, does Inner Miami last longer than Miami Fusion? What an absolute embarrassment of a franchise rollout, Josh. I got a lot to say, so I'm going to let you go first on this one. If if you let their GM do his job, they're probably fine, mm-hmm. right? It's not. It's always until you get, you know the ownership group trying to become, you know, they have like this, this, you know, they're always, it's like that meme of that guy who's like looking back at the girl walking by when he's with his girlfriend, right? Like that's, yeah. that's how I feel about the ownership in a, in a way that ultimately ends up as a constant negative for them, right? Where it's like, they're always looking at, at what they think they should have and what, or what everyone else has thinking that that should be them. Yeah. Yet it only makes it worse, right? As opposed to, again, like, you know, look, I think the, the best models for how to be sustainable in in Major League Soccer are Sporting KC, right? Mm-hmm. And Seattle, right? You spend the right amount of money, but you have to have, right, the infrastructure and these things set up and, and have stability. Like, stability goes a long way, right, in, in terms yeah. of how... How these go, which is probably why you know LAFC went with Trendolo, 
versus any of the big name coaches that were thrown out there. Because, you know, like I said, to have a stable community, you know, that uh, stability in the communication between the front office, between the coaches, the coaching staff, having those relationships, I think, like I said, plays, pays dividends, right, in, in the long run. Yeah. So my answer on this one, uh, yes, they're going to be around much longer than the Miami Fusion. Uh, not because of any results that they're going to get, because I don't think they're destined to be good in the in the near future at all. Um, but because of the way the league is structured. So to remind everybody, the owners don't own the teams. They own part of the league. So one twenty eighth of the league this year, and then that entitles them the right to operate one of the franchises. You will never hear me refer to an LA to a to an MLS side as a club because they're not independent clubs. And I know that we're it's it's super ironic that we're on this Los Angeles Football Club podcast, and I'm saying I'm not going to ever refer to them as clubs because they're not clubs in the same way that Liverpool or Barcelona or PSG or pick your club from, from Europe or overseas. Uh, They are franchises of the league and that's by design. The owners are in a sense, all on the same team and that team is MLS, right? So it doesn't matter if Miami is terrible and doesn't sell out their stadium because Inner Miami is going to make money from the other stuff that goes on with MLS. Some, whatever it is, right? They they have ways of making money. Most MLS franchises are not profitable. I think it's I think from that report, I think it was last year, maybe two years ago, in the New York Times, there's only one. I, I, I sorry, I think it was three or four MLS franchises that were that were actually profitable, and I think it was Seattle both LA teams and I want to say sporting, but I'm not positive on that, but there were only, you know, a handful of actual profitable teams, everybody else, Columbus crew, FC Dallas, they, they make all their money from some, right. But they don't actually run a profit. Now Dallas may be in a different position now because they're actually selling all these Academy players, uh, which is a good business model. That's a, that's a good way to operate, but Um, based on the fact alone that they're going to be making money from MLS's other ventures, uh, it doesn't really matter if inner Miami play well or don't sell any tickets because the team's still going to be a good investment for the owners. Yeah. I mean, and we'll stick around, but that's kind of the same thing with the funny thing is it's it's also trying to infect even the teams that are clubs right in Europe where the tax, the tax rate off of the loss of, the loss is actually uh-huh. worth more to some of these guys than the profit is. Um, right. right. You know, so you look at Stan Kroenke, right? Like mm-hmm. why the heck does he care about the Rapids or Arsenal when the Rams just won a Super Bowl and, and, and by doing partnering with the NFL for these various things in, in Los Angeles with, yeah, I think they moved the NFL TV headquarters to, to near SoFi and all this stuff like mm-hmm. that. And the money that guy stands to make, for, you know, that, that's why he paid for the stadium himself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, again, like the reality of modern football right, is most of it is a, is a shell game. 
Yes. Right. I mean, look at look at yes. Chelsea, right? Like, and what? Who knows what's going to happen with them at the moment, right? Um, yeah. Because again, and and this is not to disparage, like, oh, they, sh- you know, they should have known who they're like. At any point, it can come crashing down for every single one of these teams. Um, yeah, I mean, who honestly? Who's going to predict that the Russian oligarch that buys your team uh, is going to be sanctioned so heavily by the by the British government and the FA to the point where they he they, they can't operate the team? Yeah, like I and, mean, they said it that would the- all be because you know Putin decides that he's going to invade Ukraine. Like that, I mean, that's that. Why would you ever think that? That's a lot of crazy stuff to to think. Yeah, and so, like I said, when you when you think about, you know, just how some of these things are are going, and and, and that you know, maybe maybe the MLS model is actually the one that's the most stable of them all, right? Because again, like I think, given given the way that the situation limits. It limits. I mean, it's it. It's unfortunate because again, I think the model hurts hurts American soccer in a bunch of different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Like not having that you know that pro rel model and some of the different things. However, given the given economic climate and and just not even economic climate, just given the unpredictable nature of the of the world at the moment, I don't know. I, I have yeah I, like yeah. there's an argument to to look at the American sports leagues and how they've been able to weather the storm in a way that a lot of places haven't. Yeah, no, I mean that's fair. I mean it's it's a very low risk, low reward business model, and uh, to steel man the argument for the league, uh, and I've been fighting a lot of people on Twitter lately over this stuff, uh, but to steel man that the their argument is that this model has provided something that the U S has never had, which is a league that has lasted now 26, 27 years. How many years are we in 26? Mm -hmm. So it's something that's actually provided a professional league. That's, that's viable, but it's also low reward in the, in the sense that it's never going to spur the kind of development and growth and quality that you're going to see overseas. So yeah, but you're going to continue to hear me complain about that model and the fact that uh, it is a closed system that you can only access through an ex- through you know uh, uh, an MLM startup fee. Like that's that's honestly the way I see it. You have to buy you you know you have to buy your 500 pairs of Lularoe leggings before you're let into the club, right? Yeah, you know, but at the same time, right, it prevents you from having financial collapse of your franchise uh, absolutely right like absolutely like yeah. what what's happened to you know like name the team in england that ruined an entire town because it, the team went under right and mm-hmm. ruined several mm-hmm. it, it's just not going to happen right so if you have a mm-hmm. if you have a business in in la that's built around lafc right or selling to lafc fans you're probably fine because there's going to yeah. be a bunch of people that are always going to go yeah. to games you know the people that are going to go are going to go and the ones mm-hmm. that don't Right, probably weren't going to come anyways. Right, but yeah. again, like I said, I like your the problem is more how it hurts at at the at the like I said the the beneath that professional level, right? Comparatively, yes. But at the same time, I I think there's an argument to look at what what ha- what happens across the world and and in terms of again the financial ruin that often 
accompany some of these different things for people not associated with the club, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, like people had jobs at some of those places and, you know, versus, you know, I don't know. I think we're, I'm pretty sure they were able to cover the, the salaries of a bunch of people that worked at the bank, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I don't think you would have seen in other places. I don't know. Right. Right. Without the government yeah. assistance, at least. Yeah. Whole other can of worms there. All right. Next one. Q Cardi. Um, perfect game to increase the goal differential in the long run. Missed opportunity. Other than that, Opoku is going to be hard to bench. Um, so he's arguing that we should have probably scored more. Uh, and I agree. I mean, it definitely should have been a penalty with who was it that took down? I think it's Brian Rodriguez gets pushed in the back. It's like the 89th minute. You're already up to nothing. So that was never going to be awarded, though it should have been. Um, you know, a couple other opportunities missed, but whatever. Uh, and Opoku, yeah, Opoku, I, to me, the best front three is Chicho, Vela, and, and Rodriguez, and it's not particularly close, but he's going to continue to push for minutes. And like I said, if, if they get in a, if they're in a jam where they feel like they have to have pace, then he's obviously the guy, like you said, Vela and, and Chicho become a bit redundant when you're trying to play everything underneath instead. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really have any disagreements there like i said i think it's just a matter of the situ the situation I, you you just weren't gonna get like with with scoring the goal and then and then shea going off like five seconds after that yeah they're like yeah. just get out get out yep. get and stay healthy is kind of yeah. probably what they're thinking at that point right all right ben cox at sir bensington Brian needs a few weeks of being drilled into one touch passing the constant cutbacks into the players killed momentum throughout Otherwise, good shape all day. Yeah, I, I mean, I do, I do want to see him be more snappy with, with moving the ball around. Um, and you, you, you kind of already talked about getting the ball to the feet of those playmakers on the wings and having them then dribble at a defender and decide what you know. Am I gonna, am I gonna dish this? Am I going to take it myself? But yeah, I would like to see him a little bit more willing to give up the ball and then make another run because, like we said, he's really fast. He's he understands space really well. Just give up the ball first and then go there and pick it up again. I think it's different when Vela's playing the nine versus on the opposite side of the field, right? It like it com- mm. it compresses it compresses the way that they stat you know, the way that they're gonna play to like pri- you know, primarily the center and left side as opposed to yeah. when he's on the right, you you ex- there's more space to operate, right? They're you know, you don't yeah. have everyone kind of clamping down there, which is probably why Opoku had so much room to run, right? Because you have right. both Vela and Rodriguez probably occupying, or I guess Vela had floated out to that side, right? but he mm-hmm. kind of pulls the majority of the line towards him in that moment. And then next, you know, that you get that weird touch and then Opoku's in free and spinning, yeah. you know, Breck Shea like a top. Yeah. I, yeah. We, we were talking before the show. I'm pretty sure he spins an entire 540 before realizing where the ball actually is. <laughs> he is not good. It's just, like he's become a meme. Oh man. But he has enough he has enough moments of just top class stuff that make you go, What what is the deal with this guy? Why can't he put it together? He had a goal when he was playing with Orlando a few years ago from the left wing. He shoots it kind of like the Efrain Alvarez goal from last week. And he 
I mean, he finished across the mouth of goal, side netting, and I just thought to myself, how can this guy not put it together? Because he's got all the talent in the world, but just is lost. All right, Mike Beats, um, just a picture, and it's really cool, actually. If you, if you want to go see it, check out this thread on our counterpress handle. Uh, he's got a picture, a screenshot, um, and he circled the 3252, and there is not a soul to be seen in anywhere else in the stands. You can see like the, the white and black chairs in the background or in the stands, and then the only place where there's fans are in the 3252. So uh, great job with the away day support um, all the way over Miami. All right, Josh, anything else we need to get to before we get out of here tonight? No, I mean, like I said, it's always great to talk, come in and talk about a win. Um, you know, again, we're we're trying to put out more content um, over at the Substack. Um, make mm-hmm. sure you check out some of those things. Go subscribe there if you want it straight to your inbox. Um, but beyond that, I think we have our next game is at Vancouver. Um, Vancouver next Sunday. Next Sunday. So, yeah. Revenge game for Mark Dos Santos. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and and you our other show I kind of... and our other Vancouver players, right? Daniil Henry and Cropo. Oh yeah, I, yeah. Very Vancouver I'm, I'm heavy side. Selling now. this one. <laughs> All right, you can follow the show at Counterpress underscore me at Kirkinsey Josh LAFC Josh. We will speak to you all next week. Good night.